With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. It's a common problem of uh, Web3 is that we can control about everything except for time zones. So uh, podcasts work out fabulous. And and I'm really excited today. It's uh, February 7th. Bitcoin is doing its little $23,000 dance right now, which is, again, no one's going to complain. And, and, you know, go back a year if anyone said that I would not be complaining about $23,000 Bitcoin, um, you know, they, they absolutely would have called you a liar. Uh, that being said, we're very happy to see, you know, a healthy uh, crypto market that's coming back. Um, but but a lot of this, you know, kind of uh, downfall has, has been caused by, let's just be clear, fraud, um, deceits, uh, some bad actors, as well as, you know, just a lot of just people that don't understand what's happening and what's, what is occurring inside of a, a blockchain-based cryptocurrency market. Um, and one of those biggest problems that, that is faced every single day is how do institutions come on board? How do, we get, how do we get the biggest players, the Fortune 500s, to say, you know what, blockchain is such a better system than, the additional, than uh, where Swift is today and it provides so much more value. But how do we get them to go from a, a century-old uh, ecosystem of the global financial markets, and how do we get them to start testing and playing around in the waters of blockchain-based uh, commerce? And and we all know that it's better. I think there's no one on this that's listening to this podcast that would disagree that blockchain has a better future um, than than where we've come from. But that being said. Custody is one of the hardest things that we deal with. And, you know, not your keys, not your crypto is a very easy thing to say. But in practice, it is incredibly hard to do. Um, I spend hours every week um, fretting and, and being concerned about it. And, and I don't consider myself to be the top professional in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, but there's people that are, are much more uh, nuanced than me and much more technical than me that, that get hacked every single day. So I'm really excited with all that being said. Uh, we have Adam, who is uh, with Fireblocks today. And and it, just as a disclosure, Why Whales uses Fireblocks as our corporate solution. Um, we vetted out dozens of, of different uh, solutions that were out there. And ultimately, through our due diligence, as well as others, uh, we chose Fireblocks. And, and I get asked constantly, you know, why? And so I figure instead of me trying to give my reasons... Um, um, Adam, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great, Jay. Thank you very much to the YWells team for, for having me here. And uh, thank you for being a client. Oh, absolutely fabulous. So we'll, well, don't worry about me today, but let's go ahead and really focus on what you guys are doing. But before we jump into and really understand you know, what Fireblocks does today, I want to spend a little time with you and understanding kind of where you came from um, and, and how you got to be so uh, you know, focused on the security of blockchain uh, commerce and, and really what Fireblocks you know, is, it attracted you to them. So if you don't mind kind of starting back with a little bit of your history, that'd be fabulous. Sure. So uh, the disclaimer is I, I've taken a circuitous path, a traditional and, and not intentionally. Uh, so I wouldn't say I'd recommend my path, but uh, basically studied finance. And from there, I thought it'd be a good idea to go to law school and add on business school as well. So it was eight straight years of, of collecting debt and trying to learn. Uh, and coming out of school, I realized two things that you do not learn how to be a lawyer in law school and that I thought my interests were better suited on the business side. With that said, I thought it'd be good to go and prove out whether those theories were right. 
uh, and started off practicing law as a corporate attorney at a London-based international law firm, uh, Capital Markets, M&A, uh, and absolutely validated that you do not learn how to be a lawyer in law school. And looking at deals, I'd see the investment bankers making more money, but not having that much more fun. Uh, but then I realized that the the clients were doing the real strategic work. Uh, and, and that was my goal and shifted that way. Uh, so I left the, the law behind and try not to wear that hat unless I have to. But it's a great background to have because, at the you know, one of the other biggest challenges we have is how do you regulatory manage um, crypto, cryptocurrencies or, or um, you know, blockchain-based investments? And there's a couple different, you know, thoughts of field, and we'll just be very binary and, and basic with them. And there's the first one, which is we, we need to be compliant, and we're going to jump through any, any and all hoops that we possibly can. Or B, um, we're decentralized, we're anonymous, it's the free and open peer-to-peer world, and, and you know, we don't, we're not beholden to every government. And, and now, like I said, there's a lot of gray in between, um, but there is a big you know, section of Web3 that does not believe in, in laws or governance um, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, understood. Uh, and look, I could tell you that you know our focus and my experience has been enterprise. Um, and so having spent over a decade at two different systemically important institutions, um, for some people that could put a coke addict to sleep, but it also provides a really good education on what regulated institutions care about, or even those that have stakeholders that, that may not be regulated, um, but are going to want to know the type of diligence that you're doing on service providers that are critical. Um, that education has been really helpful by transition or transition to, uh, to really focusing on digital assets. And and to expand upon that, you know, so we the decentralized guys and, and DGENs totally totally understand and get it. But on on the institutional side and the enterprise side, they would love a better system to manage regulatory compliance. Um, you know, large institutions spend you know millions, tens of millions, depending on the size of of that. You know, making sure that they're compliant because their core business function is not commerce. This is just something that they need to make sure is always auditable and verifiable because they're selling shoes, they're, they're you know, sending rockets to, to space, whatever they're doing, this is just something that they want to play by the rules so they don't get in trouble, correct? I think that's right. Uh, and th- there's a variety of ways that uh, clients could use digital assets, right? And, and not commenting on whether it's good or bad if they want to do it in an unregulated way, right? That's fine if that's their choice. But for the enterprises, they don't have that choice. They have to do it in a way that is compliant with regulation, with law, what their board is going to expect and shareholders. Um, ultimately, with digital assets, you can do it potentially in a quicker way, cheaper way, definitely faster, um, and reach different parts of the market. That's really the focus. But if you do that and introduce a level of risk that they normally wouldn't accept in, in, in fiat or traditional assets, in most cases, that'll be a non-starter, and, and that's not what the digital asset transformation should be about. Gotcha, absolutely. So, Adam, with that all being said, and, and your long history of uh, you know kind of working in the traditional space, how how did you um, you know what attracted you to Fireblocks, and 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 you can just kind of flow right into you know what Fireblocks' mission is, and and what what's you know been so successful about your company right now. Uh, so prior to Fireblocks, my, my last role was I was heading up the strategic investing and digital partnership arm at BNY Mellon. Uh, BNY Mellon is the world's largest custodian and uh, to their credit was very progressive when it came to digital assets. And they realized that uh, there's a lot of opportunity. Their clients are expecting exposure and there's a lot of commerce that can be conducted in digital assets. We went through a really extensive review 
of who are the key participants out there, who are the companies that focus on this and have something that they think is really special. Um, and most tech arms of any company, like, hey, I could build it, right? That's their default. Uh, having gone through that extensive process, uh, Fireblocks jumped out uh, to BNY Mellon as someone that was building a solution that was enterprise strong, thinking about the type of security, the robust and resilience uh, that a financial service provider would expect. Um, and, and so BNY went all in, not just on uh, selecting Fireblocks as uh, a critical vendor, but actually investing in Fireblocks. Um, and it was at that time that I really got to know the team quite well um, and built a nice relationship with our CEO, Michael Shaulov. Uh, and for me, it was uh, just a great opportunity uh, to transition over. But what really excited me about it is uh, the, the dirty secret. I'm not a huge crypto guy. I, I haven't been investing since the early uh, 2010s. But I saw the future of financial services moving towards digital assets and very much could see the vision of, of how Fireblocks could be instrumental in bringing, whether it's a BNY Mellon or a small retail provider, uh, into the digital asset way safely, securely, but giving all those capabilities. That just sung to me. Uh, and I, I, feel, I feel quite fortunate I was able to, uh, to jump on the Fireblocks train. That's fabulous. So, and again, I, I love when we have business professionals that have their 10,000 hours in, in a field that is you know, adjacent to digital assets. Um, there's a lot of people that have 10,000 hours directly in blockchain, but, but generally that doesn't cross-pollinate with you know, traditional institutions and, and, and why and how they operate along with regulatory oversight. So, um, and what I just said will bore almost everyone to death because you go, oh my God, that's the last thing I ever want to study you know, is regulatory compliance in, in, a, in a field when I'm just trying to sell NFTs, I'm just trying to move these other things. But, but the reality is, is because we're now working slowly, like slightly outside the normal system, you know, the, the, the onerous is on us. You know, we have to have custody. We have to have compliance. And so if we're saying we can do it better without the fees and the complexity and the slowness and, and everything else of, of the traditional, you know, finance system, um, that means that, that like, it's on us. Like, we, there's no number to call um, if we screw up and, and don't pay our taxes correctly or anything else. Like, it's, it's there. So one of the things that, that really attracted us to an institutional solution you know, such as Fireblocks, and there's a number of others that, that are out there that you guys compete with, um, was quite simply how robust you can the system can be or how simplistic it can be based on, on you know, individuals. So, so if you wouldn't mind, just kind of walk through um, the, the Fireblocks pitch, because I think that a lot of people sometimes get scared when they hear, um, you know, a Fireblocks, they just, because it's an institutional solution. Um, but to be clear, if I could use it for my personal funds, I, that's it's the best solution out there. It's just expensive. Yeah. I appreciate that. When you first get into anything crypto and whether you're using a MetaMask, a ledger or something simple, it, it isn't always user-friendly. And that's not uh, anything disparaging about those companies. They provide tremendous service, but it's different. It's not like logging on to your, your Citibank HSBC account where you know your name and password. Maybe you get the two-factor authentication and you see your dollars or euros or your investments. That's really easy. We're used to that. Crypto is different by nature. Um, and then you think, wow, if I'm going to go institutional, it's going to be even more complicated. The goal for Fireblocks is the exact opposite. Really sophisticated technology, but not really difficult user experience. Uh, and, and so ultimately what it comes down to is our, our three founders or co-founders um, were involved very early on in a, a Korean uh, crypto exchange hack. Uh, they were working at a cybersecurity company and realized that the crypto space, especially on the enterprise side, was falling behind where it needed to be from cybersecurity. And so 
I emphasize that because the core of Firebox is really about cybersecurity, right? We don't take risks when it comes to uh, the type of security. And normally you think about a tension, almost like a seesaw between how secure something is and how quickly you can access those assets. Um, early on in, in digital assets, cold storage meant, uh, in some cases, literally in a vault in the Alps, right? Where you had to go and get your assets off a hardware device. Uh, good luck trying to move those quickly, right? And, yeah. and keeping them uh, with some sort of uh, widget uh, that you could access from your browser was not nearly as safe, but you can move it quite quickly. Uh, Firebox doesn't make you choose between speed and safety. It effectively combines the two. Uh, and the, the high-level explanation is they use a version of technology that's called multi-party computation, or MPC. Many of your listeners have probably heard of MPC. Uh, you could think of it as the improvement on multi-signature. And it uses uh, mathematical equations uh, akin to zero-knowledge proofs to be able to ensure that a knowledge or information in different keys that are held in secure enclaves and confidential computing cloud capabilities, never actually access one another, but the three different keys are able to perform a zero knowledge proof that effectively allows transactions to be signed and move the assets. Uh, so that's, that's really complicated, uh, but the tech that our team has built has uh, demonstrated to be more secure than prior versions of not just multi-signing, but actually prior versions of multi-party computation and actually eight times faster. And when you start to think about what institutions want, that speed, but not giving up on security, that's really where Fireblock sinks. Yeah, and 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 again, just to preface, you know, I am not an investor in Fireblocks. We are a user of Fireblocks, and I can tell you from years of trial and error, um, having having thrown away over a hundred bitcoins, having done all the the, the core concepts. <clears throat> yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, but but really wanting to say, like, look. When it's when it's my funds, <clears throat> my personal funds, you know, I can get comfortable. I can get comfortable with, and I bought every single hardware device there is, Genosis, you know, you, you name it. If it's a wallet, I've tested it, I've played with it, I've messed with it, and I can figure out how to become comfortable with my own personal funds. As soon as you know, we, we're talking about client funds. As soon as you're talking about investor funds. As soon as you're talking about enterprise level funds, I, I am not. I nope. That's not what I do. That is not. That is not my job. I understand Genosis and the multi sig. I I get it. No. The answer is no. Um, I, I need a better UI. I need I need more robust um, security that is being monitored twenty four seven by people that are not me or my team. Um, and 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 really, and I, this is like a really crazy thing. I want a phone number I can call. <laughs> like if I'm if we're if we're managing you know tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, I I deserve a phone call. Um, that to say like, hey, there's a problem. And I, I ran into this not too long ago with with Fireblocks. Um, I did the one thing that happens about once a year. I upgraded my phone. Um, and by upgrading my phone, I had to go back through the the KYC verification process before this new phone was allowed access into Fireblocks. And while that's a pain and most people go, oh my God, I can't believe it. I was thrilled. I was thrilled because think of all the SIM attacks. Think of all the, the different ways that people get attacked. And, you know, we can build in those compliance levels right from the, right from the get-go that allow me as a CEO um, holding, in, you know, investor and in institutional funds that I can sleep at night a little bit. So talk to, talk me through kind of, I, I may be the exception, not the rule, but is, is, is that the majority of the reason why people come to you guys is because not not a technical reason, but a, a, a safety and security reason. So I, I would put it in two buckets. Uh, we definitely pride ourselves on the safety, security, uh, and robustness of our solution. 
But the second part is just how we're integrated to so many other components in a digital asset ecosystem. So let me just explain a little bit about both. Um, so I emphasize the, the cybersecurity part of the core of our founders, because as we're building products, that's front and center for the product and R&D team. And we also have a, a security office, quite literally screens everywhere, cyber experts that have worked in financial services, central banks, um, those that are used to nation state attacks, quite literally, that are actively monitoring our system 24-7 product teams that are thinking about how uh, not just our system, but some of our clients as they engage with others um, could get attacked. Um, by far, that we think that sets us apart. Uh, but also what I think is, in some cases, more important is how we're connected and helping our clients connect to the rest of the ecosystem. Uh, and that happens in a few ways. We have over 1,400 institutional clients. We're connecting uh, to dozens of exchanges. Um, and all of our Firebox clients have the ability to whitelist uh, certain wallet addresses and then actually move that over a Firebox network. And, and many think of it akin to a Swift-like system. You don't have to use that. You can go over uh, the over 40 different protocols and blockchains that we support. Uh, but knowing that when you connect with Fireblox, that there's credibility in the market, you're connecting to, to traders, to staking providers, uh, the suite of partners that offer complementary services, you can whitelist those addresses that you most commonly want to engage with. It starts to remove operational risk. It's more resilient. And we hear from clients that it opens up new business opportunities. Um, and that's part of the value of the Fireblox network in the, in the greatest uh, part. If we didn't have the robust, resilient security, the latter part would never happen. But so many times now we hear from clients saying being part of the Fireblocks ecosystem is opening up commercial opportunities. Uh, and, and that's what they just get very excited about when we speak to clients. Yeah, and, and I, I really love that that you know when we talk about networks and we talk about ecosystems, that's that's like my my jam there. So in an ecosystem such as such as Web three, um, it's it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing. You know, with its Swift, it's 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 a binary. It's either you're with a bank or you're with a different bank or you're with another bank. That's it. You know, you're not going to be able to utilize this in any way, shape, or form with anything else. Um, but but you know, Fireblocks that. Number one, the UI is is I think second to none right now in the industry. So congratulations to the UI teams, and they never get enough credit for making Web three, which is a chaotic, computerized you know mess, uh, into something that a human can use. So so number one, that's fabulous from there. But two, you know it, it's that choice. It's the choice that I don't have to say. Here's my wallet for Ethereum. Here's my wallet for Solana. Here's my wallet for for you know these five other things. And and now I need to spread them out. And and what I've done is I've I've created an entire like you know. Like binder of of seed keys that now I have to manage or any way, shape, or form. So the 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 ecosystem and the partnerships that you guys have, you know, kind of developed um, means that you know I, I kind of do look for people that are already integrated into Fireblocks. Silvergate is already integrated, so you know they're they're one of the top uh, top cryptocurrency lending banks, and and you know they're they're familiar with the KYC AML process for cryptocurrency companies like myself, and and they they have full integration. Um, a variety of other exchanges and other partners kind of have integration into Fireblocks. And to me, again, I love blockchain. I love decentralized everything else. When when we have to make secure payments to you know uh, a, a variety of people. It's nice to just know that that they went through the same level of auditing because the last thing you want to do is it in the traditional world is you wire money to a, a, the wrong accounts. If you do, you stand a decent chance of being able to recover it from you know a certain aspect. 
if if it's on the blockchain and you send it and it's not the right person, um, that congratulations, that's over, and there's no one you're going to call and make that happen. So, but but forgetting all that, because I went a little long there. But talk to me a little bit about you know in the ecosystem that you guys have built, why these partnerships and why this this kind of um, trust circle you guys have built is so important in blockchain. Uh, absolutely. So. We partner for a variety of reasons. Sometimes uh, it's because it's a complementary capability. Uh, sometimes because it's uh, a bit cliche, but it's Web two companies that are trying to get into Web three, and there's a clear synergy. Um, but also, we realize that we're not solving everything that's not our goal. But when we think about what our clients are trying to achieve, those integrations are absolutely critical, as you called out. And so we really want to be able to bring the digital assets to businesses everywhere. And, and that means integrating. We're not uh, intending to build everything ourselves, but we want to help uh, what the digital asset, the Web3 world is moving towards. We see that there's a real opportunity for us to, to help bring clients that way, make it simpler. Um, and that's going to be better for everybody. That's fabulous. So, when you guys are going through and in, in, in this partnership, because again, it's it's you know Web three is so inclusive. You know, it's 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 exclusive until people figure it out, and then it's quickly like, hey, we're all pretty much moving in the same thing together. And so, when I see you know a variety of DeFi platforms, you know, working together on standards, and you see a variety of NFT. Pl- T uh, drops and platforms and ecosystems, you know, working on working to collaborate and create, you know, better utility for each other. You know, how do you guys manage, um, you know, making sure that everyone's moving in the right direction forward, and we're not restricting ourselves back to, you know, some of the old standards that that don't fit into a blockchain world. Yeah, I think what's what's critical is we don't take a cookie cutter approach, right? Obviously, everyone tries to standardize to make things scalable, but we think about what we're trying to achieve with the partners, and there's different partners for different reasons, right? So we think uh, about uh, some of the other fintechs that are out there and, and our fintech partners as one offering, some of the strategic alliances that we have as, as different and uh, some of the strategic initiatives that they're working on, how their synergies and I'm happy to go into details of each, but perhaps the most important, starting with the, the initial clients that are design partners. When we think about new offerings, uh, that's absolutely uh, critical for us. And so maybe I'll spend just a moment on, on these Please. design partners. Uh, we obviously are getting inputs from, from clients, from our product team and others about where we want to innovate. Um, but making sure you find the right institution that's aligned with you on the vision and, and really excited to work on a use case uh, has allowed for some some great opportunities. So not just thinking about my prior employer at BNY Mellon when it comes to traditional custody, but as we've expanded out into payments, working with payment service providers or PSPs as design partners uh, to know that we're building something that doesn't just work for transferring a few dollars here or there, um, but understanding their requirements for something that's scalable globally to be able to really power commerce. Um, I think that's, that's some of the most exciting work we get to do uh, is making sure that we're we're building the solution that works for them before we start to roll it out to others. Um, and, and so sometimes they get overlooked, but I would say our design partners are absolutely critical before we even get to the strategic alliances and, and fintech partner capabilities. Yeah, and, and and part of that really gets into the the, the concept of education. 
um, you know, is that when you bring up fintech, and I, I love, I, we have so many fintech partners that we work with as well, and, and they're all they're on board every single day, and they're so excited about Web three, but they have no idea what it actually like, how it affects them, what it's going to do, and and how do they integrate that into their normal workflow? Um, you guys have a very uh, complex yet simplistic, you know, product, but it is essentially the gateway into um, blockchain for most companies. You know, custody is is the core of what we do. Um, how do you guys manage educating, you know, a lot of these institutions, funds, and everyone else on on why, um, you know, custody is so important compared to? You can go get it for free. You can you can download a wallet and you know, no cost whatsoever. Just hire some kid out of college, right? Sure. So the the first thing I would say is uh, you don't want cheap security, kind of like you don't want cheap fish, right? Uh, you, you get what you pay for, right? Um, but with that said, uh, when we think about educating those that are in Web two go into Web three, uh, there's two things. One, we have a lot of education on demand learning. Our not just our sales team, but many of the different teams will will help educate our clients uh, that are looking to move from Web two to Web three. Um, but oftentimes, as uh, our CEO will sometimes say, we need an anarchist, someone that understands the vision of Web3 that is at that partner or client, um, and that really is excited about being on the journey together. Um, and, and finding that champion is absolutely critical. Now, for us, many of our fintech partners are actually very, very deep into Web3. Uh, and these are companies that offer complementary capabilities to what we do. Uh, and so going back to Fireblocks is not building everything, nor should it. Many of these companies um, are, are providing a service that our clients will also need. Uh, it could be around backup and disaster recovery. It could be around uh, compliance and regulation adherence. Um, and, and offering those services in an integrated way is critical. And we spend a lot of time thinking through who's the right partner, what's the right structure, uh, senior level engagement all the way down to the girls and guys that are actually doing the real work day to day and making sure that our interests are aligned, our vision is aligned and getting those shared wins. Uh, it may sound quite simple um, and it's not unique to Web3, um, but we've experienced it and I've seen it prior uh, where you have a partnership where maybe at a senior level they're excited, but the logistics haven't been sorted. It falls apart. Um, and same on the opposite. If you have uh, the people doing the work that aren't excited or are excited, but at the senior level, they, they can't figure out how to structure it, that's not going to work either. Um, and so we spend a lot of time thinking through how to structure it, how to be a good partner. It's absolutely important for our clients. Well, I think you brought up a number of points that are really important to me. Um, I refer to Web3 as the modular internet, um, meaning that you can interchange almost anything you want, however you want, whenever you want. And so if I'm on Firebox today and if I no longer see you guys managing my my you know my funds or, or overseeing things the way that I wanted to, um, instead of days and days and days or months and months and months in reality of saying, hey, I want to go from you know Bank of America to US Bank, which it would take to move the funds, and you got to reprint checks and you got to do everything else. You know, in minutes I can say, here's my my dot ETH token. I'm going to send this over there. Funds are going to be moved, you know, near instantaneously. And it's like, you know, see Adam, goodbye. Um, it's been fun. But you know that that's a very different you know level of of uh, modularity compared to and, and interchangeability from from you know Web two, Web one, and really the traditional finance system. So you guys have a much higher level of accountability uh, for client retention than I think anyone else in the financial institutions could ever dream of. Correct? Yeah, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, yeah, look, I think we're very lucky that our we have the types of clients that we do. They'd like to partner with us. And our goal is to continue to add those services that 
uh, or just helping them uh, basically catalyze whatever their digital asset journey and strategy is. Uh, and so we're not trying to lead them down a DeFi hole or a staking hole or a payments hole, but making sure that we understand what they need, how we can help power them. Uh, and with over 1,400 clients globally, they're doing a lot of different things. And it's really exciting that our capability that can help a very traditional bank like uh, maybe a BNY Mellon or an ANZ can also be the same tech that's uh, helping power some NFT museums that are brand new, a concept that five years ago, that sentence wouldn't even make sense. Um, and that's really exciting for us, just the variety of use cases and, and how our system can help power our clients that way. And that's a that's a good point. Is is number one? We're we're talking about cryptocurrencies for the most part, um, but you guys manage you know NFTs or digital collectibles or whatever we're calling them this week. Um, you know how does how does that and you know where does those decisions make on on how to manage you know the different types of assets and and how are they managed the same or differently? So uh, what's exciting about our tech is that it's basically the same technology that can support virtually any digital asset, right? We, we support over a thousand different types of tokens and coins and over 40 protocols. Uh, so that itself stands apart, but it's the same tech in terms of the security that our clients are leveraging to hold an NFT is the same as holding their Bitcoin, the same as holding their stablecoin. Uh, you know, we get questions, uh, even insurance providers said, hey, is there different security when Bitcoin goes up or down in value, as you called out earlier? Uh, no. Right? We don't we don't take risks when it comes to security. Um, and for us, as we're working with different types of clients, NFTs uh, in particular, we're seeing more and more use case of not just uh, really interesting digital art, which is fine, but also utility of NFTs. Uh, and thinking about examples around loyalty points, uh, even airlines that are actively working on providing ticketing via NFTs because it's more efficient. The end user may not even realize that it is an NFT, um, but it's providing efficiencies for the clients. And, and that's just a, a great example of how the same technology can really help power different types of businesses leveraging digital assets. No, and that, and that's those are some you know really good points. Is NFTs are you know they're not new like this year, um, but the value and the use cases are constantly evolving to to where there will be um, potentially you know major financial you know uh, problems for someone like an airline. Those those points have value, and you know sticking them out on an open chain where they can be hacked is, is you know or taken and, and moved around is a, a very different point. One of the things I'd love for you to kind of talk through because we have so many you know institutional or large enterprise uh, watchers. And they struggle with right off the bat, you know, with with Web three is like, hey, I've got a, an accounting department of of a hundred people, <laughs> you know, and and I have no, they have no concept of how to integrate in cryptocurrencies because that means you know they're exposing seed keys or they've got a, you know twenty people sharing the same wallet. It's very binary. How do you guys manage these these larger uh, enterprises? I mean, we we manage it, but there's only four of us in there at this time. Um, you know, when you get up into the larger numbers, is, is that scale well? So it does. Um, the short answer is yes, right? Our solution allows for each client, uh, within a certain degree, uh, to design the types of rules about how transactions are signed or authorized and who has access. Um, and it's, it's really meant, uh, as we go through an onboarding process with clients, uh, to build it in a way uh, that they can adapt for the type of company that they are. And so institutions that may be a, a B2C route will have a very different approach than, than B2B. Um, and so the solution really is scalable. One of the other things that I would call out is when we think about corporates and enterprise in the Web 2, thinking about Web 3, uh, that's another place where partnering is really important. 
And so we very actively are working with partners that are incredibly strong in their relationships with enterprise, with banks, with corporates in the Web2 side. And that could be in a variety of areas. Uh, now, I, I call this out because I think about core banking and cloud providers and even certain system integrators, depending on the type of institution, that's going to be quite critical for how they get comfortable with the right Web3 solution. Uh, and, and so that's why it's important for us also to partner with these sort of strategic alliances uh, that understand the importance of Web3 and, and some of the trepidation that their clients will have, whether it's the accounting point or operations or other. Uh, and that in, often can, can help bridge the gap and for them to understand that their trusted provider is partnering with someone else that they know has the credibility and is really able to scale. So real quick, and, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, and again, we, we haven't scaled to the size, but theoretically, our accounting department <clears throat> has access to Fireblocks to, for, the, for the commerce side of this. Our marketing department has access to all of our NFTs and our digital collectibles. And by the way, for anyone listening, if you're a business or an enterprise and you're minting NFTs that have any sort of value, those are assets. You have to keep those on the books. You have to keep track of them. And, and just like any other, you have to inventory them, basically. So, so you can have multiple departments working inside the same system, but, but clearly you don't want the marketing department inside of your, uh, your, your core banking uh, systems. Yeah, the I think the distinction is uh, who's going to be able to authorize the movement of an asset, right, in and out of a wallet, right? And that's where each institution can set it up and figure out how that's going to be done. Um, and then what the ramifications are, whether they want to display a digital asset, uh, whether they're using it for utility, uh, the accounting team will obviously have uh, different reporting that they need to do, whether they're public company or not. And, and obviously uh, the IRS or equivalent tax authority is going to have a view come the end of each fiscal year uh, that the accounting team needs to think about. All those are different inputs that you're going to get from whatever wallet solution. And when, with Fireblocks in particular, um, right, it, it's a separate point of knowing the value of the assets versus who has the authority to actually make the transactions on chain. Fabulous. So when we're talking about like where this technology is going, you guys are, you know, again, um, there's a couple other solutions I would say that are that are you know nearby, um, but you guys continue to seem to be innovating, adding more chains. I think that's one of the biggest differentiators is that you don't have to, um, you know, the bridges that you guys have are like real bridges um, compared to like some random, you know, uh, DGen uh, anonymous people made a bridge and you're going from Ethereum to to Solana and and um, you're not in quite entirely sure you guys have native access uh to, to move in and out of these chains which has been insanely helpful for us how do you guys um you know what's your plans to continue doing that or do you is that a core uh, internal product you guys are going to continue or are you looking to kind of allow decentralized world to do more of that uh yes to both right uh there's okay. obviously going to be a lot of innovation in the private sector but um, we continue to uh, look at what chains and protocols we should be adding and then best how to partner with them. Uh, there, there's a few examples where we realize that what the protocol is seeking to do and the type of activity that they're trying to uh, achieve on their protocol not only aligns with us, but what our clients want. Um, payments is a great example where thinking about gas fees, certain protocols seem to have solved for, for speed and gas fees and there's opportunities there. And so we, we do partner and work quite closely with those protocols. I uh, appreciate you calling out. It is a differentiator for us and you'll continue to see, see more. Um, but the innovation for us is not just about how many coins, tokens, or protocols we support. Um, and so thinking around security products, um, on-chain ID is where we definitely see some, some future opportunities. 
And then uh, really doubling down on some of our core capabilities around the non-financial utility of digital assets, payments, and continuing to, to build solutions that regulated institutions and the financial services will need. Uh, and tokenization becomes front and center for all of those. Uh, thinking about traditional assets coming on chain, uh, that is what tokenization is. Um, and, and we see that there's going to be a lot more opportunity there in a variety of use cases uh, for more assets to be brought on chain through tokenization. Oh, yeah. I mean, we you start talking about RWAs, real world assets on chain. I mean, now it becomes like these aren't theoretical value. Like you, these have real world like repercussions if you if you lose these assets or or you know lose something that that is required there because it could have KYC AML issues. Um, there's there's all sorts of things that, that can come out. Uh, you know, which is why security and compliance is so important uh, because we've said we don't need them, but we we need somebody. So you're, you've taken on a really big role in in this whole you know move to blockchain world. Yeah, and I think we'll see, depending on the where you focus on, right, it, it could be things like uh, we worked with the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange on issuing bonds on chain. Uh, and for many outside of financial services, they may say, why does that matter? But when you start to think about a movement of a, a digital bond versus a digital fiat currency, you start to get some of those efficiencies, which means eventually cheaper costs, less risk for individuals. Um, but it's not just in financial services where we'll see the tokenization of of real world assets and some of the value to the end users. Some of them may impact you and I in individual capacity that much quicker than, than enterprise. Um, but we're starting to see the private sector really innovate. Uh, and the role that Fireblocks plays is working with those clients on the use cases and helping them achieve uh, how to get that real world asset on chain. In addition to the, uh, let's say, the level of innovation in the more uh, typical crypto and digital assets. That's fabulous. So my um, my one of my last questions is again <clears throat> from an enterprise solution. It's fabulous. Um, let's be clear that it it is it is an enterprise solution. It is priced as an enterprise solution. Um, and so if you have a company that's going to be managing you know a, a serious amount of, of capital, um, you know you you have to have something besides just you know your your MetaMask wallet. <clears throat> and I, I equate you know what Fireblocks is doing in your current model is you know you're an F1 car, and you know you are the absolute peak of performance. So there's there is nothing else that I've seen that has come close to the level of compliance and every and you know just features and benefits and, and systems and securities you guys have. But I want that for my personal life. I want my I want my kids to be able to have that as well. What does it take to get you know corporate enterprise fireblocks and to start seeing some of these um, you know some of some of your tech filter down into into a consumer model or is that even on your road roadmap? So it's something we're actively thinking about, actively working on. Uh, I think in the short term, the best answer is uh, there are clients in, in most jurisdictions that have a, a, a B2C approach leveraging Fireblocks. Uh, mm -hmm. That's probably the quickest way. Um, there'll be a lot more effort in this space, let's say. Um, but another part is, um, while we are an enterprise solution, we, we definitely see that there's an opportunity for Fireblocks to work very closely with developers. Um, and we want to help them continue to innovate in Web3. And we'll be making, uh, I think, some progress with the developers as well um, and, and look forward to some of those announcements uh, there. But um, we, while we're focusing on enterprise today, there'll be a lot more, I think, opportunities. I don't expect us to be downloading in the, uh, the iStore or Apple Store any like a personal individual Fireblocks account quite yet. Um, but it, it's a solution that we see uh, needs to continue to scale. And we're excited about bringing the benefits uh, to, to more of the ecosystem. 
So, so that's an interesting point. And let me ask this question. So, um, in, in, in our world, like, you know, you, you can have fistfights break out over Ethereum versus Solana, you know, Trezor versus Ledger. Like th- these are, these are people that have tattooed these things onto their bodies and they, they are diehards for one brand versus another. And they have their reasons and it, it, it generally goes around security and, and ease of use. If somebody does want to use one of your, you know, kind of B2C, um, enterprise clients and they say, look, I, I'm, I'm really excited to come into this blockchain world. I like Fireblocks. I'm not a, a direct client, but I want to make sure whoever I'm choosing is using that underlying foundation. Is there a way for people to see you know, uh, um, solutions powered by Fireblocks? So uh, many of our clients are very happy to, to talk about the relationship with Fireblocks. Um, obviously, our relationships with them, though, are confidential. So there's not okay. a, a directory that we open up to the public. Um, but I, I think you will see uh, some that are front and center about our relationship and partnering with us. Um, so that's probably the most we could offer. But we, we, we do respect the confidentiality of all of our clients. So. Because you're a real company. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Thank you. Yeah. Adam, amazing interview so far. And I'm, I'm really excited about everything that you guys are working on. Again, we we are a user of uh, Fireblocks. And so we're always kind of looking for different ways to leverage uh, our, our subscription with you guys. Um, and, and that being said, you know, YWales is very focused on metaverse. We're focused on gaming. We're focused on so many different things in and around Web3. Um, have you guys, you know, with gaming being most likely the, the kind of the drug that will bring, uh, you know, masses to to blockchain do you guys have any integration yet into into blockchain based gaming gaming is a tremendous opportunity and we've spent a lot of time over the last few months and quarters uh, working with gaming companies uh, what's really exciting for us the tokenization that i mentioned earlier similar capabilities of, of tokenizing a, a bond or a traditional financial asset you could be tokenizing a sword or an avatar or thinking about a new token that you want on one of the protocols we support um, and combining that tokenization capability with the wallets is is providing a really strong value for gaming companies. And so as we think about uh, our clients that are in that B2C space, it basically means that gaming companies that can be using uh, digital assets are extending the Fireblocks capability, the resilience and strength and security of Fireblocks to the end users, the individual gamers that are up at three o'clock in the morning playing their fun game. Like It's great to know that they're doing that with a Fireblocks wallet. Um, and, and that's an area where we expect a tremendous amount of growth. Uh, and as we work with some of our cloud partners, they've been reinforcing that gaming is an area that we expect to continue to see real opportunities. That's amazing. So even in a gaming environment where you know the, the Web3 stuff is hidden in the background, it's being displayed um, on their game, however they're looking at it, you know, the, the enterprise can leverage blocks and give wallets without giving custody, but basically build that there for maybe forward future forward future capabilities um, where they do want to give access at a later date, but but build it right the first time so you don't have that code debt. That's right. That's exactly right. That's amazing. <laughs> that's super. That's super exciting. And and now I've got a new use for uh, my Firebox subscription. So thank you for that, Adam. Um, a, as a professional that that's in the space, you've uh, you've worked in a lot of other asset classes. You you clearly are a recovering lawyer at this point. Um, uh, seeing where we're at today with Web three, you know, blockchain, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, AI. I'm even starting to throw AI into Web three. I'm just going to adopt it. Um, where do you see? Things, things going? Where, what are kind of the most exciting parts of this asset class today that, that's really causing you personally um, just to spend a little bit more time and energy focusing on? 
Sure. So uh, unfortunately for me, I spent eight years in a foreign exchange payments company. Uh, and what that means is I could see a future where all financial services are blockchain based uh, and starting to see real commerce conducted on the chain. Uh, so whether that's central bank digital currency or more likely regulated stable coins to the point that when we're just going to the local coffee shop, we're going to be making payments instantly uh, using digital assets. Uh, that to me feels inevitable. Um, how quickly we get there is the question, um, but I think there's real opportunity there. And then in the non-financial space, uh, around the loyalty points in the gaming we just hit on, uh, I expect that most innovation, if not all, in the coming years is going to be purely on Web3. And being able to take your, your avatar from one game to another, that digital asset, and uh, bring it with you, right? That's part of what Web3 is, is all about. Uh, that's going to feel a lot less esoteric, and we're going to start to see that in our day-to-day -day life. Uh, just a question of, of how quickly we uh, we see that innovation and things like the trust and the security of your wallet infrastructure is going to go hand in hand with that. Um, so I'm excited in both the traditional finance area of, of boring things like payments that keep the world go around and then the fun stuff on the non-financial. Uh, I think they're going to happen in parallel. That's amazing. And and really, I, I would absolutely agree with you. The the concepts of eliminating paper money terrify, I think, a lot of people. Um, but when you start thinking about the elimination of paper money, that, that gives so many more options. That means that the infrastructure has been built out of what you no longer need to carry around these little pieces of dead trees. <clears throat> you know, and, and you do have choices. You do have DeFi. You do have other things. So if you don't want, you know, theoretically to have, you know, a, a CDBC that's issued by the United States government that they can track and do everything else, they're, they're, they're will most likely always be choices. But the, the, the challenge is, is now is the time for innovators to enter this asset class. If you have a strong feeling um, about, you know, a government-issued uh, cryptocurrency versus a DeFi-based cryptocurrency, like now's the time to start, you know, speaking with your wallet, making choices, helping to integrate companies and in, in providing solutions um, because we're so early right now. Um, Adam, where, where, do you, where do you think we are on the adoption scale? It's still early is the bottom line, um, right? It, there's been so much and from the really large companies, the cloud providers, traditional financial asset uh, companies, even gaming companies that are jumping in, still a very small percentage of their business. Uh, and the level of adoption uh, globally is still pretty small. And like recent re uh, survey results talking about in the US, it's predominantly young uh, men within the middle class and above that are doing anything in digital assets. That to me is a leading indicator that they're starting to get adoption, but we are still very early on. And the baseball metaphor may be only the second inning, uh, which is exciting um, yep. because there's so much that has been done. Um, but we're nowhere at that point where it becomes the de facto tech. Uh, and, and things like some of the cyber hacks that others have experienced uh, slow that adoption process down. Uh, so for those that are first getting into it or thinking about it, you're still pretty early on, right? You're, you're not the dinosaur that doesn't know about it. Uh, even a dinosaur like me can jump in now and uh, get up to speed sufficiently quickly. That's, that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, Adam, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to learn more or, or uh, talk about any of the things that we did uh, today on the show? Yeah, happy uh, LinkedIn. You could find me, Adam Levine at Fireblocks. You'll see that on LinkedIn pretty quickly. Uh, insert Maroon 5 joke here. I'm not that guy. Um, and if not, uh, hit us up on the Fireblocks website, especially for those that are looking to partner. We're always looking to uh, work with more in the ecosystem. 
Love it. Love it. Why Whales? Uh, that is Adam with Fireblocks. I highly recommend uh, checking out that. Uh, you know, Fireblocks, as well as they do have a number of videos that kind of walk through, you know, kind of workflows and everything they do. If you are looking for an enterprise solution, there are a number out there. Uh, Why Whales can absolutely say we endorse and, and utilize Firebox and have been very happy to date. That being said, thank you guys all so much. Why Whales? We'll see you guys next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. Why Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.